everyone. Welcome to the Make Better Photos and Videos podcast. I am Ross. And I, unfortunately, am Gordon. I think it's fortunate that he's <laughs> Gordon, because goodness knows they couldn't stand more than one of me. <laughs> Don't laugh, you know it's true. <laughs> Nothing? Nothing, 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 no, no, don't must go be, there. You must be tired. <laughs> so, folks, it is, as we record this, the 17th of December, 2021, and as most everybody who does this sort of thing does, say, well, it's the end of the year, I wonder what we'll talk about, because we're going to take a break and not come back till January. So, we'll be taking a break and not coming back till January. And then as Gordon and I were thinking about what we would talk about today, we thought about next year. What would we individually as creatives, photographers, videographers, what were our plans? The famous New Year's resolutions. Or and that's sort of those fantasy. Yeah, the things that failed by the twelfth of January. Thingy? Yeah, okay. Yeah, I, I like I like that. I, I like them too. But we thought we'd get together and share with you folks what our thoughts are. Not to say that they're what we'll do is right for you, but what we'll do might be right for you. Because what's the worst thing that could happen? It's not. So, Gordon, I like breaking things. You are good at it. <laughs> you have a skill. If it ain't broke, fix it till it is. Let's bring it on. <laughs> he has a certain set of skills. <laughs> so if there was, if there were a list, what's one thing that you would choose to do as a creative that maybe haven't, hasn't been done or that you'd like to do more of in 2022? You asking? I'm asking. <laughs> well, when you uh, sprung this on me, I said, oh, I've made a resolution in my life, so uh, this is going to be something completely new for me. So I sat down and said, well, what are my, what are my weak points as far as photography goes? And then the list got really long, so I said, okay, we've got to change this, this plan of attack. So I looked over the things that I sort of do on a regular basis, but in a, well, regular but haphazard basis. And I try to organize myself down into something a little smaller. And I think the one major uh, deficiency is probably the state of my digital asset management. And it struck me that devoting this in a, devoting some more time to this in a more organized fashion might be the thing to do. Okay. Like what? Well, <clears throat> I have a large collection of images in what I call my collection folder, or where everything gets downloaded to. And I figure when I'm hitting the number 4,000, it's maybe time to 
get more aggressive with my numbers. And more aggressive up or more aggressive down? <laughs> I better get more aggressive up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm going to run out of hard disk space here. So, uh, so I think the first thing I have to do is to try and look at these images and get them into some kind of a fashion that I can start culling the amount of photos that I have in that location. And what happens in that location happens in all the other locations that I have my photos as well. So, But it seems like a good place to start. Okay. So that's number one. That's number one. Um, what am I going to do with that? Well, I, I realize people do things in different fashions. So what I do is I bring all my images into one folder, irrespective of what they are. And then I go through them and assign a rating. And since I'm a Lightroom user, I have my choice of methods of doing this. I tried many different ones uh, until somebody pointed me in the direction of putting a star rating on the images. So I tend to do that more frequently than I do other things. The advantage of the star rating is that after I've looked at them for a while, uh, I can choose all the ones that are, let's say, one star or no stars, which pretty much means that they've got something wrong with them. And firstly, I can delete them. And then I can revisit the two stars, and I do this periodically. And I don't delete anything but two stars and above until at least a month has gone by. Okay. Because when on second and third review, I invariably find that many twos are actually ones, and some of my twos are threes, and some of my threes have gone back down to being a one. And only when I've done that will I start deleting uh, again. Okay. So that's, that's my primary method of sorting the images. Okay, I think that's actually a pretty good plan. Um, there's a thing that happens to us when we come back from a shoot. We tend to still be emotionally engaged with the presses of the shutter. And we may not be as clear mm -hmm. in terms of the ones that we choose to keep. I know that's true for me. I, well, it's certainly true for me, yeah. I will bring back a card, and like you, I will dump it to a folder. Right. And then I will leave them alone. And I'll come back to them in a couple of days. Um, historically, I've used Photo Mechanic to call. Right. Because in the past, Lightroom was fairly slow. Yes. You know, I had to import everything and then delete them. Um, and I just got into the habit of it. I think Lightroom's improved a lot in that regard. But for me, Photo Mechanic, it's a very simple workflow. I bring the image up, it gets a quick, quick look, and if it's not howling at me, trash can because if it doesn't talk to me two or three days after i shot it 
I'm fairly confident it's not going to talk to me three or four years afterwards. So I'm not reluctant to delete. Now, other folks aren't like that. They say storage is cheap. They want to keep everything in peace. That's yep. fine. Well, I've tried that, tried that route, and uh, yeah, storage is cheap, but it's also unnecessary, in my opinion. I know some very good friends of mine said, oh, I can't, I can't do that. I'm going to keep them. I come back and I find something that's interesting. And that's fair. Uh, fair enough. If it works for them, that's great. Yeah, and, and I think that's the key thing. Does it work for you? Um, for me, it doesn't work. In fact, one of the things that I'm going to be doing is something that I started before our friend COVID hit, and it basically put the blocks to a lot of the kind of work that I like to do. Um, and that I'm going to go into 2022 treating photography in that year like it's 1978. Meaning I have a roll of film or two rolls of film and film is expensive and a shutter press has to have value. So when I'll go out, my intent is to treat it like it's an expensive event, not that Images are free. Stay off the darn shutter. And focus on the intent and the, the story and the emotion of what I'm seeing in the viewfinder. And if it's not there, just don't squeeze the shutter. Don't do the what-ifs. Because like you, I look at my Lightroom catalog and it's, I mean, it's old. It's got 300,000 images in it. And I have to be honest with myself. I'm not going to go back and look at most of them. And when I'm gone, nobody's going to care. So why not get to that point, and, and I don't have the discipline that you talk about, to put ratings on things. If it doesn't knock me out, it's probably not worth keeping. And... If that's the case, then I can be a lot more personally restrictive in terms of when I press the shutter. So that's one of my first plans. It's something I've done before, works for me, may not work for other people, but it's not so much about shoot less, but shoot more with intent and create a, a mental limit for myself because like lots of us, you know, I could pick up the camera and hit the button and 14 frames blast past in one second. And all that tells me is that there's 13 of them that I'm probably going to have to throw away. Don't need them. So that's my first area of, of thought. Right. And interestingly, that uh, surprise, surprise, I came up with something uh, very similar. Um, so I had broken broken these things down into stuff that I'm going to do um, daily and some things I'm going to do weekly and some things I'm going to do monthly. So you remember that part I talked about the fantasy and fiction? Yes, well, sir. That, that's those three are the fantasy fiction okay, part. Well. But one thing I did write down is that every time I pick up a camera, 
I'm going to pick a conscious effort to evaluate my why, what endpoint, and what will I do with this image. Uh, some of that has come from your teachings. But uh, some has also come from reading uh, Freeman Patterson most of the time and, uh, and a few others. Right. Uh, and uh, I, I think those, the, the two things we talked, to, talked about come, come together very nicely at this point because uh, if, you, if, you don't, if you don't answer those questions before you press the shutter, you do collect a lot of unnecessary stuff. I can't speak for others, but for, that, for me, that's true. I'll look back, you know, a month later and go, what the hell were you thinking? <laughs> you got a box of cruft here. And it's actually depressing to look at time spent squeezing shutters, loading images and going through all that stuff and then realizing there's nothing here, which drives my second resolution. And that's to stop shooting stuff that doesn't interest me. Don't shoot for the sake of shooting. Right. And I've been guilty of this a lot. I go by, I see the camera, I go, you know what? I haven't used the camera in the day, week, month, whatever. Right. Oh, boy, I spent a lot of money on that camera and all those lenses and all that gear and all the time to learn. And I'm just not using it. I better pick that camera up and go make an image of something. But how do you find what it is that is actually interesting you? It requires a lot of discipline for me to look at the, the stuff I've shot and say, did you have fun? Would you do it again? Mm -hmm. Would you make a print? Mm -hmm. And what I'm finding is that there is stuff that I used to love shooting and today I could care less. Right. And that there's also stuff that I do that is not specifically fo photographic in nature, but where I think I could use photography to enhance my experience of it. I constantly come back. It's like a, it's like a looper thing. I'll hit close-up work. Okay. And then I won't do it for a long time. Right. But then I see something and I go, you know, that'd be interesting if it was a really, really tight macro. Right. Really, really focus on the one thing. So, for example, recently I've been working a lot and taking a class in studio recording and mixing. Okay. And, you know, as you know, I'm brilliant engineering really excites me. Yep. I like stuff that's well-designed and well-built. And I was working with a tool that had a motorized fader. Okay. And I watched it go up and down as I'm working. And I got, you know, somebody really bright built that thing. I'm going to get a macro lens and photograph the fader. Because there's an emotional context for me mm. now. Okay with using a fader because it ties into 
this other learning and project that I'm working right. on. So that's how I think I'm going to find what interests me. Look at the stuff that I've shot that I like. Look at the stuff that I've shot that I haven't done in a long time, like street work, respectively right. done, or respectfully done right. of people, partly because of COVID. Um, I miss that. You know, when we talked a few weeks ago about Rebecca's book, and you look at those images and I go, I have done this. And I love this stuff. Right. And I haven't shot it in years. So instead of doing stuff that, oh, let's go shoot something, I'll just say, I think I'll shoot, but I'm going to shoot the things that interest me. And I'm not going to shoot, or try not to shoot, stuff that doesn't interest me because I find it debilitating when I'm done. I come back with a lot of images. They might even be good, but there's no soul. And I end up with no desire to do anything with them. Okay. So it's time lost. Anyway, so that's my second thing that I'm thinking about. Okay. Yeah, but the thought, the thought that goes through my mind when, you, when you're saying that is that, uh, is it conceivable? That's the word for the day. <laughs> Always important to have a word for each episode. Today's uh, word is conceivable. conceivable. It's conceivable that by not shooting some of the stuff that you don't have an interest in, that you may actually be missing something. It's not only conceivable, it's probable. Okay. That's the second word. <laughs> probable. Yeah, probable. Not no, I, I think you're right. But what I've what I've discovered is I'm willing to give up the probability. Okay. Because so far it hasn't been rewarding. Okay. Could I miss something amazing by not being somewhere? Yes, absolutely. Right. But I could also be there. And come home and go, well, there was a complete waste of day. Right. And waste of time and not be happy and possibly have been insufferable with the people I'm around. <laughs> and I do you that well to, enough. You, you don't have to clarify that. Thanks. Could have stopped it. <laughs> yeah, just being insufferable. <laughs> I love you, man. I really do. I'm not looking forward to a break at all. <laughs> uh, yeah, but... Uh, I, I know what you're saying, and and uh, but I, I think I want to make the point though that you have the experience, and you have the images under your belt to now look at them and know what you like and know what you don't like. But perhaps for the rest of us newbies. Getting a broader exposure may be not a bad thing. Oh, I'm not suggesting that what works for me is right no, for anyone. No, absolutely. Um, but, but what I'm saying is go out and shoot and reevaluate stuff. Yeah, go and, try stuff. Uh, you'll eventually find stuff that you like doing, but maybe don't close your mind to... Not you, necessarily. No, uh, no, no me too. I'm using the gen generic you. Um, 
because you you may find stuff uh, there. There's a member of the the camera club who uh, was was not not happy. He, uh, they like to like to go out and shoot images that that they they saw, and they said that's a nice image. I'm going to make that. And but what I'm saying is, if you don't step out, and again, I'm saying you for the generic you. Yeah. If we all don't step out of our comfort zone. There's a very good possibility we'll never know what really is our comfort zone. That's absolutely possible. So I think you raise a good point, so let me clarify. When I say don't shoot stuff that doesn't interest me, I would have to have determined that it doesn't interest me. Right. If I don't know, I can't make that evaluation. Correct. So I say, hey, you want to go do this? I've never done that. Or I haven't done it for 20 years, and right. I've changed in 20 years. Right. I've changed since Tuesday. <laughs> Maybe it is interesting now. Let's go find out. Okay. And in that context, I hope that maybe that, that's a better way of thinking about it. Don't shoot the stuff I know I don't care about. Right. Shoot the stuff I know I do care about, and go experiment and find out if there's anything else. Okay. Go with that. Well. We'll find out how well it works. Got to get this done by the 12th of January <laughs> before all this stuff goes down at the window. You know? What's your next one? What's my next one? Um, post-processing. The, the, system of, the system of doing your post-processing is... Uh, sorry, I said system. I should have said... <clears throat> Excuse me, systems, because they are proliferating. Another good word. At a You're getting your <laughs> vocabulary value today. Um, th they're growing at an incredible rate. <clears throat> uh, systems that were mediocre at best are suddenly uh, cutting edge, and things that were cutting edge are uh, just going right through the roof. Uh, I mean, the new, the new version of Lightroom is a good example. And every time I watch another video telling me what it can and can't do, I'm just sitting there with my mouth hanging open saying, I don't know what to do with this. So I think for me, uh, spending some time learning one new upgrade feature in a given period of time would be a reasonable thing to do. Sure, because what if you find out it's useful? Well, then I've got, then I've got a feature under my belt that I didn't have there exactly. before. So no, I think that makes good sense. Because you're right, if the software... Not only is it incredible, but the rate of change. Yeah. It's blindingly fast. And, uh, and I say uh, doing one thing at a time because, uh, I'll say I, in this case, uh, have a tendency to watch a session, a learning session, 
and somebody like Matt Matt Kloskowski. Kloskowski. I mean, he comes up and he tells you ten things in a in a very rapid fire sequence, and they sound wonderful until he stops, and then you don't remember nothing. So, pick one. It doesn't have to be the most fascinating one. Pick one, any one, and don't stop with it until you've learned it. Right. Focus. Focus on it. Focus and drill in. Yeah, that makes. And good figure sense. out how how you can apply it in your practice. See whether it's uh, worth the trouble, not worth the trouble. And uh, I think if I came up with anything for a New Year's resolution, it was to try and allocate um, a, a block of time to, to do this, maybe a week, maybe a month, do something every day, something small every day, do one image a day, um, learn a progressive thing over a week, uh, whatever. But if you don't allocate it and you don't dedicate that time to it, you will soon find that you're working in last year's function because it's moved on. Whatever you did, no, to do, you know, sky replacement is a good example. Oh, well, I, I checked this out and this is how I do it. Oh, well, no, you don't have to do that. You put your cursor on it and you click. No, I, I concur. You know, how often do you see, I mean, I can remember when high-pass sharpening was the only way to sharpen. Right. And the world's moved on. doesn't mean that high-pass is bad, but it's nowhere near as good as what we get way simpler today. Mm-hmm. And yet we still see courses coming out well, the right way to do it is high pass. Yeah, it was in 2000. And that doesn't mean that you can't still do that today, but it, what if you're not leveraging all the tools? You know, I, I I think about professional mechanics, you know. Sometimes you see them in a, in a garage and they've got that big snap-on or Mac right. case with everything ever built. <laughs> yeah. And the question I say, are you using all of it? Or am I using a hammer? Because, <laughs> you know, a hammer is a pretty versatile tool. Yeah, and the reality is that we may never catch up to the speed of development. I, I don't think I'm ever going to. So pick one that you think may be of interest. Learn how to do it. Keep an eye on it because they'll probably change it next year. And then you've got a whole new ball game. I think that you're right. I think you're bang on right. And, you know, and we're also going to see these changes that are going to come that are going to impact our environment. Not a question today. How do I get rid of this error message in Photoshop? And it's about a GPU. It's a fair question. The answer is you can't. Right. Because Photoshop has moved to a point where whatever GPU your computer had, which is, I don't know, eight years old now, mm-hmm. it can't get there from here. Yep. There is no fix. And certainly you could run an older version of Photoshop. That would work and make the error go away. But at some point, the changes in technology have a cascade effect. And you may say, okay, you know what? That eight-year-old machine, while it works, needs to move on as well. Mm -hmm. If you want to do what you're talking about. Right. 
which is to leverage that which is coming and that which is new. And that can be tough for folks. From In my case, I think one of the things that has come for years, and while I have conscious competence, I have not achieved unconscious competence yet, the fourth level of expertise, is in video. I'm not doing enough thinking when I look at something about if I only had one way to, and you know I love that word capture, like a colonoscopy. <laughs> That's a good word for the. That's another good word. Uh, I still think in terms of stills. Yep. When I see something, I want to spend time focusing and learning to think in terms of motion. Doesn't mean I have to change any gear because everything on the planet does video. But I want to start to learn to see video. Mm -hmm. I've learned to see stills. And I think I'm decent at it. Always room to grow. Always opportunity to improve. I look at that library of 300,000 images and go, buddy, you need to work hard on that seeing thing because <laughs> they some serious crap here. But in terms of video, it's something that I think is important, not because I'm going to publish anything on YouTube or Instagram or wherever else people share stuff, because I know that's the thing you're supposed to do, but I don't want to, and I don't care. But for me, it's the undiscovered country. It's a place I want to visit and to learn and to be able to inhabit for the day when I will need to. Right. And my video experience is mostly commercial. You know, make a, make a company video or make a video for these people where, you know, the talking person tells you what's great about their company or let's see the manufacturing line. And that's all interesting. And I'm not talking about cinema like Steven Spielberg or anything like that. I just want to spend more time investing in shooting video clips so I can use them in the context of a, this is not a good word, multimedia story that combines stills right. and audio and motion. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Adobe just threw, they changed things again and Spark is no longer Spark. And Yeah, what did they change it to? Oh, they call it Creative Cloud Express, which is about as useful as calling every piece of software they make Lightroom. Bunch yep. of idiots. CC, uh, classic, yeah. cloud. I don't know. That thing there with the blue logo, icon, whatever. But I like the idea of Spark. But I think that there's, maybe there's more mm -hmm. to that where you can combine text and sound and music and video and stills. But to do that, I've got to have better video and more useful video. It's not that I have to learn how to edit or have to do colorization. I know how to do that. What I don't have, what I've not developed yet is the eye. 
to see and to shoot video. So that's a big deal for me. I, I, I think that's I think that's a very valid point because everything uh, our world our world has changed. Our world has changed to a video-oriented well, experience. Very much so. um, if it's not moving, it's not capturing your attention. Well, certainly that's the case. The media. I mean, they got rid of all their photographers, and they've got all these citizen videographers. The yeah, quality may not be great, but boy, they're using it. You can't even access uh, any of the news channels now. Uh, where you you could read the article in under a minute, but a lot of the stuff is being presented in video format, so you've got to sit there and listen to somebody give you a superficial description of what has happened um, to get the gist of what was happening. Um, That's annoying, but, isn't it? Oh, yeah. It drives me nuts. Annoying. How about some news? Well, how about some insight? That would be that would yeah. be even nicer still, which largely doesn't come. No. And tell me what opinion. happened without your opinion, please. So, uh, I I think personally, uh, I'm starting to go in that direction too. Mm -hmm. The other day, we went out to. Uh, well, you had posted uh, a thing about. Uh, keeping our skills up through the Christmas season. So he said, well, let's go shoot some Christmas lights or something along those lines. Right. And there is a lot of animation going on and uh, we got to one place and uh, Doug, who, who got dragged out in the middle of the night again, um, said, you know, th this is this is not a thing for a still shot. This this." This calls for a video recording. And I said, you know, you're absolutely right. And uh, whatever was going on at that location, uh, we captured on video. Uh, I don't know if it's good video or bad video. And it's probably bad video because we have not learned how to do good video. I think, so, but I think, I think you're right. I, there's a video is, is different, but it's the same as stills. There's a technical element. You've got to learn how to do the yes. tech. But just because you know the tech doesn't mean the seeing is good. Yeah, because the technical element, is really, it's really become foolproof. It's, 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 it's become easy. one button press to give you, you know, 4K video coming out of your inyang. Uh, but... And those edges are sharp and it hurts well, the old Yes, yes. They've got pointy bits on them. They do. It's not pleasant. So, um, uh, I think the, it's nice to understand the technical bits, because if you understand it, then you can manipulate it. But if you can't see it, or you can't conceive where you want to go with this, right. then it becomes more problematic. That's, that's my take on it, and it's, it's an area that I really want to focus on, on not a pun, uh, you know, as we, as we go into the, the next year. You got anything else? Yeah, there is one, there's one other thing. I just okay. sort of thought about it. 
printing. It's something we don't do enough of. Uh, I've heard you talk about this before. Um, and when we do do it, I've, I've eavesdropped on some people who are talking about, uh, oh, you know, I just tried to, do, to, to print this image and I'm thinking, I said, and how did you do that? Did you go through these steps? Um, well, no, you know, I have to send it to, uh, I resized it and I'm going to send it to the, uh, I don't know, whoever the printer is or whatever. And I said, you know, there's a little thing out there that says send to file. No, no, I didn't know that. Okay, well. And uh, so, I think from the camera club point of view, you probably need to focus a bit more on printing. Uh, I think a lot of people either don't or do it badly. To be honest, a lot of people don't and don't understand why they would want to. Well, that's, yes. Well, I mean, that's not just the camera club, but that's true for everywhere. Sure. You know, and, and I heard from a dear friend who's a great instructor, I heard a comment he made in a class he just recorded. Well, if you print badly, at least print big. I don't want to reach through the, the medium of network and throttle him. Because <laughs> that's such an, an annoying... But it sounds so good. Oh, this guy's a master of words. There's no doubt. It sounds marvelous, except now instead of a four by six inch piece of crap, you'll have a two foot by three foot piece of crap. Yes, and you know, I keep thinking of but bigger crap. Well, bigger crap, but you, um, as you know, going through school, they literally beat a lot of classical literature into me. That they but have some of the Shakespearean speeches are so twisting; they sound so beautiful on the surface. Until you've realized you're just, you've just been manipulated in the opposite direction. Yeah, I mean, that's the beauty of great writing. So It, it has layers. Dare I say that? Photoshop. There we go. So yeah. uh, I, I think printing is going to be something that I am going to concentrate on more for the New Year's. Well, I think that's, I think, I think that's a great thing, but you know I'm heavily biased towards printing. Uh, in my opinion, a print that you see, a print that you hold, is a completely di different experience than just looking at something on a the screen. There's a tactile element. There's a, a multi-sense element that you just don't get looking at the computer or the TV or whatever. And I think it would be really cool Mr. Potter if my print had motion it's maybe not that far away <laughs> it, it may not be uh, but I think I think the concept is interesting because I, I know as a printer being that dork 
sitting in a restaurant with my friend from Hanamul, two guys, oh, yeah. two mm-hmm. white guys with white hair, fondling photo paper, <laughs> and looking very excited about it. Oh, the hand on this is beautiful, and people look going. We should call the people with the nets because <laughs> those two guys are crazy. Yes. Yeah. But. Yeah. Well, we won't go there. No, I'm, but, okay. Uh, I'm okay with crazy. You know. Yeah, I, su- I, I, I support that. But uh, again, it's it's another it's another skill, and uh, you don't go to art galleries and look at. Yeah, holograms on the wall, unless it's one of the immersive experiences, like the what? What was the one downtown? Monet was it? Yes, the the Monet. There was a Monet one that was immersive. Yeah, and I got to be honest, I didn't get all that much out of it. Well, I I didn't go, but I, I I like looking at art. I like looking at brush strokes. Yeah, I, I like getting a sense of. Maybe it's delusional, but I like getting a sense of what the artist was thinking and feeling when he or she was putting oil to canvas or hammer to stone or whatever it is. There's something there that, I don't know what it is, but it matters to me. But maybe we're the exception these days, and I'd like to think we're not. There's a guy with a piece of paper that says I'm an exception, (laughs) and they're just waiting to take me away, so... Come and get me, come and get me, come and get me. <laughs> Inconceivable. Ooh, Ooh, I like that. Anyway, that's, that's, a, that's a good that's one. A, from the Princess Bride, man. <laughs> I got one more. Okay. I feel that I have declined in my orientation to manage the light. And I've become, as I once was, a consumer of light. I use the light that's there as opposed to taking the position where uncontrollable and unmanageable light is less valuable to me than light where I get to decide where it goes. Okay. Um, now, you, you know I'm a big flash head in terms of the use of light and light shaping and that sort of thing. But I was going through some images, and I was helping some folks go through their images. And were they well lit? Yes. Were they dynamic? Respectfully, no. Okay. There wasn't the case of what I would see in a, well, let's use oil painting as an example. Okay. Um, in a Vermeer or a Caravaggio. You know, following, following the guidance that if you want to make a, a photograph interesting, don't like the whole subject. Okay. Mm-hmm. Leave some part unlit. Right. That's about managing the light, not just letting what falls on it be. Right. You know, use your skill, your lenses, your talent, whatever you call it. So, or at least for me, 
to spend more time thinking about managing the light, not just eating the light that's there. Because anybody can eat the light that's there. How do I create something that feels special, that shows my intent, right. that communicates the emotional commotion of why I'm going to squeeze the shutter or run the video at all? Why am I doing this? And I think that when I was spending more time doing this work and when I was really focusing on light, those are the images that I still like the most. Mm -hmm. Okay. The ones that I want to, that say, you got to go get a couple of subjects and light them. Right. You know, I was thinking about one of the challenges we put forward for the camera club for January. Uh, faces with character. Yep. Uh, start calling folks and say, okay, let's get together. I want to make a portrait because I want to manage the light. So I think it, that that is a big deal for me. Picking up. Okay. Um. I'm just wondering whether people may be getting the impression from what you're saying that if if they they were to consider what you're saying as something as a desirable resolution, whether that implies that they have to bring along a cartload of lighting equipment for all their images and I think that's probably not true. I mean, there is light. And how you position yourself or the image, you're still using the light that's there, but you're manipulating it to your liking. I would say that that's true. But again, I'm speaking for myself, not for anyone else. I understand that. I'm going to bring gear. Okay. Because I can only manipulate the light that's there so much. Okay. Mm -hmm. But I can bring light. Okay. Or I can take light away. So, for example, I need to revisit studies that I did in using black cards as light sucks. Okay. Mm -hmm. To drag light out of a subject. Okay. Through absorption. That is, for me, that's managing light. Is that right for everybody? Probably not. But to achieve the goal that I'm setting for myself, I have to do that. Not just accept what's there. Manipulate what's there where I can through shapers and repositioning and you know, changing position and pose and all that stuff, I think that's all cool. But if I really want to get better at managing the light, that means bringing it or beating the light that's already there mm -hmm. somehow. Mm -hmm. So that's for me. Remember, I'm not advocating that anybody else... Be as crazy as us, yeah. Well, I'll go down the same road that I'm going to go down. Because it, it may not be right for them. Well, I'm taking that one step further, though. 
I I'm liking what you're saying. I'm thinking that when conditions are right, this would be a great subject for one of the camera outings. Or I don't dispute okay. that it could be for those who are interested. Absolutely. No, but we we'll post it as such that uh, we're going to go somewhere. We're going to photograph something and bring whatever lights you got with you to light uh, whatever you feel like, and we will work on learning how to do it. I think that'd be a great class. And if we made it into a workshop, oh yeah. No, and and I think that's the way to do it. I mean, I got the most out of this learning that I've done in the past by doing a workshop. Mm-hmm. By going to a class with someone who knew what they were doing and wasn't shooting. Right. They were actively teaching. Mm-hmm which was great but to your point that you made earlier about some courseware the real learning happened when i went out and tried to do it again right and failed mhm and then tried again yep and failed less and just keep at it you know i'm i'm thinking that sandra the famous yes, yeah your friend the my my famous mannequin head has been sitting in a plastic bag for a year. And yet that's a wonderful tool to practice managing light. Mhm. But I would like to do it not just with Sandra but with a real person. Okay. Because real people are something else that I said earlier I'd like to photograph more. Okay. I like that. Got to go find some subjects. No, we can find subjects. But yeah, that that I when I'm thinking back, I think the workshop that I enjoyed the most that that you that I have attended of yours uh, was your black and white workshop. That kicked me uh, in the right direction to say, wait a second, we've there, there's stuff we can do with this, and and I'm sure Doug felt the same way and we started talking zones and we started talking placement of images and we started talking spot metering and and I really think the best session that he and I had was you went out and spent 4 hours in about 10 feet of cemetery yeah um lighting well not not lighting necessarily but f- But you, uh, Im- you imaging took, the black and white stuff. You guys took the context from the workshop. Yes. And then you went out and did it. Yes. You didn't say, "Oh, I did a black and white workshop." You yeah. guys put a lot of effort into into how does the zone system work for me? Well, the first two hours of our session was what did he say? <laughs> That's not probably uncommon. <laughs> But uh Yes, we we put the effort into it, uh, and but we did. Uh, you you look at the end result and you say, hmm, yep, 
this is different. It is. Yeah, absolutely it is. You know, one of the guys on uh, Community Live yesterday for the last episode of the year, he had one of his cameras converted to infrared. Right. And I've certainly got sufficient cameras that I could do that. And will I go out and do it? I don't know. But it reminded me how much fun I had 40 years ago shooting infrared film. Right. Now, infrared digital is a, is a different game. It certainly looks easier. <laughs> but I think that there are these opportunities, that undiscovered country, that are opportunities to try stuff. Right. And that might be interesting as well. And then if it works out, then you you know you can do a, a workshop or a let's go play or whatever it is and see if it appeals to people. Right. That's what I got. You got anything else? Not that. Jump down. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, that's, that's about six more resolutions than I ever make. Yeah, well, it's, <laughs> let's see if I can fulfill any of them. Well, yeah. That's, I mean, that's, that's the challenge That's for the next for podcast. <laughs> right. How, how do you can, Resolutions I have known and broken. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All of them. Thank you for listening. And so on that note, Thank you for listening. Yeah, absolutely. Um, My apologies. <laughs> yeah, really, seriously. So um, we really do appreciate everybody who listens. We sincerely appreciate those who take the time to send in notes or comments, uh, sending us email. Um, you know, if there are topics that you'd like to hear about, let us know. Because please, despite <laughs> our best efforts. <laughs> Uh, we're not psychic, and sometimes we have to work pretty hard to think about what we're going to talk about. That's not going to be boring and tedious and annoying. Um, so, for me, I wish every listener, reader, participant, peace, health, and prosperity. Not just for the holiday season, but for all of your future. Thank you, Gordon. And uh, I in my usual fashion, echo those comments. Have a good holiday and stay safe and healthy. Right on. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you again in 2022.